0: So uh, good afternoon, and uh, again, thanks to all of you for coming here. I actually came into this room at 1.30, and based on a very simple choice criteria, this room said wealth, the other one said age, and being a superficial sort, it was pretty clear to me which session I'd sit through, but I don't think we have those kinds of branding advantages for this concurrent session, so again, appreciation for your being here. Uh, What I wanted to talk to you about was something that preoccupies me a little bit, but I first wanted to check whether it preoccupies you as well. And so, let's just sort of see if uh, I can do a little bit of a pulse check with this group. So, uh, first of all, ground rules, this is a little bit like the electoral system in Venezuela. You have to vote, nobody can avoid voting, and you're supposed to vote only once. Uh, So, as you think about the current state of the strategy field, what strikes you? Does it seem healthy, unhealthy, or so-so? How many people think it's really healthy, however you think about it? So-so, unhealthy. Okay, always safety in the middle. And so uh, I guess uh, you know, we have a more or less symmetric bell-shaped distribution here. I actually tend to agree with the last group, uh, the people who think that things aren't in very good shape. Let me just share with you a couple of the things that really bother me. Stray data points, but I think they point in a particular direction. Uh, at a leading management consulting's client summit that I was at recently, I saw a survey indicating that two-thirds of chief strategy officers actually report to chief financial officers. And so while Jack Welsh may have said that shareholder value is the dumbest management idea ever, the point is, I bet if you go talk to Jeff Immelt, I figured it'd be tactless, so I haven't asked him this question. Uh, Shareholder value management is alive and well. And I don't think that, at least for most card-carrying strategists, the notion of the chief strategy officer reporting to the chief financial officer is something that really sort of helps you look beyond the pressures of managing quarterly earnings. Second, think about opportunities for interchange between folks in uh, academia who concern themselves with strategy and people in practice. There were way more of these when I was young, 30 years ago, at places like the Strategic Management Society than there are today. And while some of you may think, well, you know, this is like trying to mix oil and water anyway, so no particular point to it, it's something that, at least in my view, is one of the reasons why, di- why the rate of progress has slowed down. And I feel seriously enough about it that I actually set up a little nonprofit about a year ago to actually serve as a forum for these kinds of interactions between practitioners and academics, although there's much, much more that could be done. Or, third, uh, take, uh, I think, perhaps the most recent mention of Thinkers 50 in the pages of The Economist was Adrian Wooldridge writing a Schumpeter column about six months ago and pointing out rough stability in rankings at the top and concluding with the the subtitle of Adrian's piece was the management idea industry is a shadow of its former self. And Adrian should be here for dinner so you can sort of interrogate him further on what he meant by that, but let me give you my own take on that. My own take on this is based a little bit on the fact that I'm sort of an amateur historian of the field. Uh, In fact, uh, after getting tenure at HBS in the early 1990s, uh, it struck me as, okay, I can now do what I want. So one of the projects that was really fun was just going around and talking to leading thinkers in strategy, both in academia and practice, which eventually resulted in a little history of the strategy field that got published in the Business History Review. So I have a little bit of history around history in this field, and recently I've been doing some work with BCG, which has gotten interested in tracking the history of strategy ideas as well. And uh, BCG's already published a book on this by Martin Reeves and Company called Your Strategy Needs a Strategy, which I think is actually a pretty good title. And we're just sort of trying in our joint work to systematize a little bit more what they did in their book in terms of using some natural language processing, et cetera, to get to some harder-edge definitions of, you know, what the key ideas in the field have been. But for now, let me just use the BCG classification. Uh, The basic point of BCG's multi-year investigation into the strategy field was, first of all, as Adrian suggests, there actually has been a drop-off in the formation of what they call salient strategy frameworks. So peak of activity back around when I was researching my business history review article, second half of the 1990s, big, big drop-off since then. So that's on the one hand. On the other hand, uh, when they list their salient strategy frameworks, they do have a list of 81. So an interesting question that naturally arises for a group like this, where at least amongst the strategists I know, our first response to a problem with the strategy field is to go off and develop our own framework for solving that problem. How many people think that to the extent that there are things that need to be done with strategy, that the development of additional frameworks beyond the 81 is somehow going to provide the key that gets around some of these problems that I at least perceive as being very significant. Uh, As you could probably tell, that was more of a rhetorical question. Uh, I have some doubts that simply, although I'm represented on the BCG list and so not innocent in the matter, but that said, I have some doubts that the response, if there is a problem, that the correct response to the problem is simply say, "Okay." We need to go off and develop another new strategy framework. Instead, what I've been doing, and this is the little update I'm writing for the Business History Review on what's actually happened to the field over the last 15 or 20 years, there's a little bit of a sense that while we've developed a lot of frameworks, it really is quite a menagerie that includes the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that what might be more helpful than simply piling additional frameworks onto this heap is thinking a little bit more fundamentally about what the key questions are that a framework must be able to answer at some with some level of intellectual coherence for it to be something worth considering. Let me just give you one or two examples and then... Uh, see if we have time for any interchange around this. Actually, let me keep myself to one example, just as a way of making sure that we have a little bit of time for interchange around this. Think about uncertainty and the assumptions that strategy frameworks make about uncertainty. My own guess, being a middle-of-the-road person, is if you run across a strategy framework that doesn't allow for any uncertainty whatsoever, probably not, a really, really useful framework in today's environment. And yet, there are lots of such frameworks, including contemporary ones, so if you read some of the really glorified descriptions of what big data is going to enable, it's something like Laplace's demon, who was supposed to have infinite computational capacity, and basically through knowledge of positions of all bodies and their movements, be able to predict the future without any uncertainty at all. So that, to my mind, would be a good example of a quite prominent line of recent strategy discourse that I would just tend to be suspicious about based on uh, having at least a little bit of a historical perspective. At the other end of the extreme, think about strategy, think about discussions of strategy that focus entirely on, you name it, chaos, luck, Nonlinear dynamics, et cetera. Here, we're not just talking about unknown unknowns, we're talking about the unknowable. And under situations like this, there's really no point trying to look ahead uh, since you can't predict anything anyway. You might as well just engage in very, very superficial decision making. So, at least my own take on all this is perhaps we need additional frameworks. But I think we probably need a little bit of attention to what kind of criteria we might be able to use to separate interesting frameworks from frameworks that in some essential sense really don't meet the test of history based on frameworks that we've seen come and go. Thank you for listening. That was a Thinkers 50 podcast. Finkers 50 podcasts are produced by KDH Creative.